0: The Word is proud media partner of Latitude Festival. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to www.latitudefestival.co.uk.
1: You're listening to a podcast from The Word.
2: People are never bloody happy, are they? So, um, yeah, um, did you see the Queen documentaries? No. And went out. No, this isn't. was astonishing. The um, two I partner
0: on I, the two BBC par- Four, BBC yeah. Four
2: ran you know Queen. Obviously, <clears> if you grow up in the sort of post punk world, Queen are the enemy, aren't they? Kind, like, of, kind yeah. of like this is big, bloated, horrible, rubbish music, yeah, ugly, and um, it's got no cool value, yeah. And so, obviously, I'd hated them because right. I was supposed to hate them, yeah. You finally watch the thing, you realize what a fantastic, fantastic band they, they really were, and how you know every all, every one of all four members wrote a number one hit single Adventurous Beyond Belief I I feel ashamed of my belief about that Queen were rubbish. rubbish yeah. the, the, the thing left I
0: find out about them reading there was a uh, Sparks biography Yes, released last year, the year before after Kimono My House and it was before Queen were doing Bohemian Rhapsody Sparks lost their guitarist so yeah. the males went to, to speak to Brian May and said will you join Sparks as our touring <laughs> guitarist and he went
1: don't think so. And then they released Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. So Do you have to say that Bohemian Rhapsody is a, is a rem- well, whatever you think of them, it's it's a remarkable record, isn't it? It's, yes. a, it's a it's a kind of groundbreaking, groundbreakingly strange record, isn't it? I know, obviously, but you, because you know it so well, it kind yeah. of like you forget how. Incredibly unusual it, it was, and imagine if someone made that record nowadays. You'd think, well, would not going to on the radio. Yeah. they wouldn't
0: be allowed. They to would it. Exactly. To. They the wouldn't be prevented The still yeah. relatively primitive then. Yeah. they were yeah. on twenty-four tracks at that stage. Yeah, yeah.
2: it's an incredible record. And yet, the, when you hear about any the first thing you think is, oh, it's Queen, they're rubbish. Oh, I'm sick of this. Oh, I hate Ben Elton. Yeah. Oh, that stupid musical. And you can't get past all that stuff. And then, no. d- d- or you d- think of Bimentana. Anything is a victim yes. of its own success,
1: isn't it? As soon as it's kind of like you know, it kind of gets to a certain level, yeah, it becomes. It becomes
2: omnipresent, doesn't it? Well, I finished watching these documentaries and immediately ran off and downloaded Seven Seas of Right. I thought, this is such a fantastic record. It, wow. it
0: was quite an honest documentary as well because that was produced by Globe mm-hmm. Productions, which is yeah. through Universal, and obviously Universal have got all the Queen catalogue now. So it was obviously yeah. done by Universal to push albums, but they were quite open and honest about yeah. the things that went wrong and... And kind of where they lost direction.
2: You wonder have any new albums or more albums Queen need to sell, don't you? Surely everybody's got every single one. That's <coughs> possibly well, pushed, the thing
0: but... that, Univers- that David Joseph from Universal said when they got the Queen catalogue from EMI, he said mm. that Queen have kind of been positioned as this greatest hits. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that greatest hits one and two is like the second biggest selling album in yeah. UK history or something ridiculous like that. But he said we want to reposition them as an albums act and reissue the albums the same way they did when they got the Stones catalogue yeah. as well. So I think they're going to probably go and give those bells and whistles releases for the works and uh, day at the races and the opera and all of that. Good Lord.
2: Let's stop talking about Queen. This is the Word podcast. Um, I'm Andrew Harrison. Welcome to the podcast. And with us we have um, the amazing special guest, Brett Anderson, of the Reformed Suede. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. And also the... uh, Equally amazing special guest, Eamon Ford. The m- mechanically of, reclaimed. <laughs> of, uh, of of the Word magazine. And also, time to fess up, Eamon. You were a member of the Suede Army, were you not?
0: I oh, very much was, yes. And still we're, are? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, I'll probably embarrass myself by telling you about the time I met you in Cambridge in 1993. There's no probably when about it. Go jump. on. <laughs> no, I, uh, oh I, my I've God. written about this. It's you. <laughs> yes, it was me. <laughs> Let's not I, talk about I, that. They, right? I was uh, going out <laughs> with a girl who was working in Cambridge and my only two trips over to visit her coincided with the Mannix play and yes. uh, the Junction and Swede play in the Junction. And it was the day after Animal Nitrate went to number seven. Ah. And I was in the middle of Cambridge and you were all just walking through the street and I thought this was... So I ran up in a panic and went, I think you're brilliant. <laughs> and you went, wow, great, thanks. Have you got a ticket for the show? And I went, yeah. And said, oh, we could have left your name on the door. And I almost fell over with the with the glamour of, of oh, the wow. music
2: business. There you go. You made you made a young lad very happy, oh, there, Brad. That's is lovely, yeah. isn't and it? And I, warm told, warm. I
0: told everybody when I came back at university that I'd met Sweden straight and they went, "You didn't. You huge fucking liar." <laughs>
1: That's why autographs exist. You see. That's why people like, no, like the names on grubby bus tickets. And well, I've got
0: proof. I'm going to have to get a picture with you afterwards, then, to, yeah. to prove them all wrong. You can so, uh, tweet it. Twenty years exactly. later, right
2: yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. Facebook it, and then mm-hmm. web phraseable. Photoshops at Cambridge in 1992 oh, can, into I can the background. Do that. Yeah. Yes, so uh, you're looking very well, Bress. well thank Um You, very much. you know, re- the the re- reformation of Sweden is clearly agreeing with you. It is. Yes, I'm it, very much enjoying it. It's you know, but that's the way to
1: approach it. I think you ha- you have to kind of really grasp it and enjoy it. And you know, yeah, it's been great. What's been the best bit so far? What's been the best bit? Um, pff, the, the the gig we did at the Abbott Hall last yeah. year was was pretty special, actually. That was pretty special when we kind of. We didn't really know what the reaction was going to be and it was it was a really special night it was probably my favorite gig we've ever done yeah say,
0: there was that insane ever. stand innovation as yes. well i think after yeah. metal mickey what, right. it just
1: went on and on and yeah, on it was, brilliant. it was lovely and it's beautiful it was just a lovely night in, in you know we kind of i suppose we just realized that there was a lot of people
2: that really loved what we did and that was uh, that's really it's a real pleasure you don't expect actual legendary gigs to be taking place in the present time do you You tend N- to think they all happened in 1972 well, well,
1: exactly you're know, not making them anymore you know I think it's a lovely thing that when people say well what's your favourite moment ever in the band that's what I turn around and say that moment last year it wasn't something yeah. that happened in 1992 it wasn't something that happened in 1995 it was something that happened very recently and that's I think that's a lovely thing what was yeah. your
0: previous favourite moment then
1: god um, you know, top ten
0: favorite moments. Yeah, there've been lots of
1: <laughs> lots of amazing things. You know, the, the whole period when Suede first happened in, in, in ninety two and around the time of Metal Mickey and when it sort of suddenly started to go a bit crazy, that was that was amazing. All that, all that time when you know I'd go into go onto go on stage and then you know end the gig with you know half my clothes missing because the crowd would just go mad. Yeah. And That was that Eamon really actually pulling bits of your was it? shirt yeah, off. Yeah, that yes. was the, the junction in It in, was, in, yeah. In, and uh, it, uh, the limelight in
0: Belfast, actually, <laughs> where uh, another bull, in fact, where <laughs> in the middle of the drowners... <laughs> I think Bernard's guitar packed up. And I remember went, the moment, you And you'd, yeah. in the middle of slow down, and then you did a kind of slow slowdown version. slow and down, and, and then the guitar kicked back in, but it was wall to wall, and there was little mirrors opposite the stage. And it was, the sweat was running down. It was the most insane gig. I think that was the day before the album came out, yeah. or the week of the album release. And you were
1: there? I was there. Because that was a really special night, actually. I remember that moment. It was a real magical moment, wasn't yeah. it? And then he suddenly... He's, I think his lead was broken or something like that, and it was kind of, like, and then it suddenly kicked back in for the, for the next... Yeah, something yeah. like that.
0: Well, you did this kind of long, drawn-out, slow dying bit
1: yeah. while he figured out what had gone wrong. And everyone sang along, and it's yeah. quite a nice, spontaneous mm-hmm. moment. I think Fraser's going to dub the music for
2: our tune underneath <laughs> it. Yeah. It's a beautiful, romantic little yeah, reunion. It was my only yeah. me two memories. Oh, right, you can't remember anything else yeah, at all about I don't anything, that, can that. you? Mine too, as well, yeah. Oh. So. That's and you've just done the first three albums in order at Preston yes. Academy. Yeah. Um, a fairly... Draining process of remembering stuff. I should imagine. Yeah, that's it's like what sixty odd, forty odd songs a lot top of homework, one yeah, A lot of homework. How, how did it go? How did you? How did you feel about it? I loved it. I mean, it was. I was
1: a bit sort of. I had a few trepidations about it because it's mm. a very different experience playing an album to playing just a normal gig. I think people come along with different expectations. They kind of come along with a much more, you know, they're much more spectators in a way. but yeah. the, the 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 audience were amazing and. I loved it. It was really rewarding, actually. Yeah, this was quite a challenge, but a very re- rewarding challenge. Yeah.
2: Certainly, a large part large part of the fact that uh, the large part of what I enjoyed about it was knowing what's coming next. I yeah. go, this this is going up. This is going up next. Yeah, you know, it's almost like when you're rewatching a favourite movie and you're waiting for a fantastic bit that exactly. you love. Yeah, and then and of I, course, Eamon's t- sending twit twit pics everywhere, going, "The
1: next one is this. The next
2: one is yeah. this." <laughs> but that's the thing about
1: you know about. A, good record or a good film or something it it, it it doesn't matter how many times you listen to it the kind of the knowledge of what's what's coming next is part of the buzz of it isn't it you know it doesn't yeah. you know i sometimes find myself watching the same film over and over again it doesn't matter that i know the plot it's not the surprise it's the kind of like the, the anticipation that's the that's the kick well
0: the surprise was in the in the encore songs as well yeah because yeah. There's some kind of surprise of things like young man and europe's our playground yeah yeah and stay
2: together as yes. well. Well, yeah, that's a very vexed point with me because I missed the Dogman Starlight, so I missed Stay Together, mm-hmm. uh, which is the whole it, it, yeah. Suede fan listeners will know that this, this is the Holy Grail. It's <laughs> only the short version. We, we play it once, <laughs> literally once every seven years. So yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so tough com- luck. Come back <laughs> in 2018. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Well, it's, uh, as I even said, though, it is only the short version, so we need the one with the big rap and the horns that's and everything true. else. Yeah, the, we'll do that one. The endless one. Yes,
1: another time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Did you notice people coming to see the, the reunited suede shows, perhaps that didn't come before, different types of people? Well, definitely people
1: that probably weren't there, uh, j- j- you know, in the in the 90s, quite a lot yeah. of young folk there, which was nice. Young folk. Old young like <laughs> yeah. Sounded like someone from, you know, <laughs> some old minor. Um yeah. yeah. Uh, you know lots of young kids which is great i guess lots of people sort of like have have heard about the band and are curious and heard some of our music and you know didn't get to see us at the, at the time and have come along and yeah it's been fantastic it hasn't been it hasn't been as kind of um you know uh, kind of what's the word Retro an experience as, yeah. I, as I'd feared that it possibly could be. You know, mm. when you kind of reform a band, is it just all about people remembering what they were doing when they were students in 1994 and stuff like this? You know, yeah. it hasn't felt like that. It's actually felt very contemporary. Mm. And I think that the fact that we go on stage and we don't quite know whether you know this is going to be our last gig or not you know that, and yeah. I like that sense that there's a sense that there's a sense of, of transience about it there's a sense of, 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 of you know, and that makes you approach it with real with a real energy I think yeah this
2: might only happen once yeah and yeah.
1: genuinely you know obviously you know, we, have, we have a couple of shows booked now but after this summer you know we might decide to do other things again and that's kind of that keeps it exciting for me that that our diaries aren't packed with all these dates for the next few years that's that's really exciting what was the
0: reaction like in when you did the dublin show because was it in the olympia yeah. You did the three, no, it was the week after. Two That's weeks, right, after, yeah, a couple of days after, yeah. Because in a way, if you're a Swede fan, bec- probably because of Love and Poison, Brixton Academy was kind of the spiritual home yeah. of Swede. It was kind of like Swede's Woodstock in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the reaction like in Dublin? Because Swede were invariably kind of seen as a London band. Mm. Because were, a lot of the songs were about London and about misfits yeah. in London. How did, how did the reaction work in Dublin?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as as, as crazy as, as as the Brixton night sort of thing, you know. But it was it was great, and it was, it was just a, almost like a scaled down version of it, really. You right. know, as at the Olympia, which is a beautiful old theatre. You know, so it's just a kind of like I suppose it was. Like, we kind of enjoyed it a lot because it was a lot less pressure. You know, the, you know, the, the whole kind of experience of playing in London. Sometimes London crowds can be tough, you know, and it's it's you don't, you don't
2: know which, quite which way it's going to fall. But um, yeah, it's amazing. Loved it. Yeah. One of the things about these gigs is not just the um, teenage cancer trust gig at the Albert Hall, but also the kind of the three albums and the OT things. They've all been quite fan led, haven't they? They've all been quite for your co- for your core audience. Yeah, and I you're going to be so. doing festivals this summer, aren't you? Yeah. Have you sort of yeah. felt the need to kind of get get swayed back out in front of the general public? You know, yeah, passing definitely. trade, get the old sandwich board on, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing.
1: I think it's important. You know, you, you can't just be kind of like preaching to the choir all the time. I think I think you you got, you've got to test yourself against people that. You know, aren't your core audience? Yeah, I think that's really important. You know, and that obviously you change the set. And you know, when we play festivals, you you have to play songs that people know a bit better. You know, you can't, Mm. you haven't got that luxury of kind of like just trying out B sides and stuff like that. But but that's just, it's just
2: a different discipline. It's a funny state of affairs, isn't it? Because when you first arrived, you were so incredibly out of step with everything. Everybody was hairy. Everybody was grungy and everybody had gigantic shorts on and long, yes. Ned's Atomic dustbin, long sleeve T-shirts. That, and, so and dreadlocks. And dreadlocks, stuff like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it you'd be was right. a terrible time to be a student as well because that's what student fashion was. I know. Uh, I can't picture you in Ned's Atomic dustbin shirt and long right, I didn't like that. Quite yeah. right, too. Well, but right. you've come back now and so they're equally out of step. You know, you, you, you look like a unique thing. Right. You look like a, you know, it, we're sort of in a, in a, in a situation now where... The, Going to see bands is no longer something that the weirdos and the fringe types go and do. Everybody goes to see bands. Yeah. And lots of the bands just seem to be kind of the same. They've all blended out into a that's what a rock band looks like. You guys turn up, you look very, very different. You sound very, very different. Yeah. It's 1992 all over again, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Well, maybe. But I also think that, that strangely enough, there's, there's a, a quite a lot of parallels with Sway these days. There's, you know, bands that have kind of come along since sort of Sway split up, people like the Killers and. People like interpol and stuff mm. like that they're definitely kind of that like, there's a thread there you know so i don't i don't feel i feel as though we we you know swayed kind of like whether we passed on a flame or planted a seed or whatever, I, I don't know what happened sort of thing. But I do feel as though there's a thread between what we did and what's what's kind of like, you know, the, the bands that kind of came after us, yeah. What yeah.
0: about the climate of today and New Acts coming through? Because there was the infamous Melody Maker cover from 92 before you'd released note and, and nobody outside of London had really heard it, which was best new band in Britain. Yeah. <clears throat> and there was a lot of hype and there's a lot of expectation around that. If that happened today, are we a bit too known and that is everything a bit too hyper? remediate that if a band was proclaimed the best new band in Britain, everybody would have laughed them out of the room uh, left right and cinder they, would, they, would, they wouldn't have had the chance to kind of make it to the next stage the, well, the, the cynicism
1: would perhaps have been a bit too much yeah but I think it's sort of debatable whether it kind of worked for Suede anyway, I think it, I think it worked short term for the band but I think that sort of like hyper uh, kind of like Profile that we had early on was kind of in the long in the long run quite damaging for us. Actually, I sort of regret that we weren't allowed to grow a little bit more. Um, that we weren't just allowed to sort of like it, it. You know, it wasn't allowed to happen a bit more organically. But what can you do? A lot of people were very excited about the music we were making, so it's just a reaction to it, sort of thing. But I think we, I think you put off just as many people as you attract with with that kind of thing. You know,
2: you've just been ferreting through a massive suede archive for some of the most exhaustive reissues we've seen, because you're putting out the whole every one of the albums with a full suite of extra stuff, aren't you? Yeah. Um, when you're sort of looking back on these times, did you find things that maybe jog memories, and you know, from the first Suede album and Dogman Star and coming up and stuff like that, things that you thought, I don't remember this happening, or things that maybe opened doors and reminded you of things you'd forgotten?
1: Yeah, loads of things. I mean, there's, you know, me and Bernard were sitting in, in, a, in the studio and the, mastering the stuff, and he brought this big box of uh, dusty old cassettes along, and, you know, we were playing stuff that I hadn't heard for, for 20 years, demos that we didn't end up using and stuff yeah. like this. He brought this lovely, which ended up on the thing. this old demo of me and Justine singing a song called Just a Girl. And, you know, it takes you back in time. It really does. It's, all, it's kind of like part of your personal history as well as being part of kind of like your own musical yeah. thing as well sort of thing. It's kind of like it has a two dimensions for me. It's a kind of like a public thing but also a kind of private thing. It's really nice. Yeah. You know, and lots of, that's the whole... What I wanted to do with the reissues, I didn't want it to be a kind of a record company release. I wanted it to have a sense that the band were very, very involved in it. And yeah. so, all of the photographs and all of the all of the th- stuff that on, uh, you know, the 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 the, um, the visual, f- all the all the video stuff. That's kind of like that's my friend's uh, camcorder um, mm. footage. Half of it. You know that I kind of I went round to his house and said, "Have you got any?" Kind of went through his old cassettes and, you know, weeded out the ones of him and his girlfriend and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, and found "Suede from Paris" in 1994 and, and that's what ended up on the thing. So I wanted to have that have a real sense that the band were involved in it rather than some big faceless record company. Yeah. You know,
2: and there's a brilliant clip that you were talking about of um, Brett and Bernard talking away about something like that and Bernard goes right that's it I'm oh, off
0: I did, didn't the dog man start? Yes. start and you make some joke and he goes right I'm, I'm storming off yeah.
1: again that's very goes yeah well luckily we can kind of we've got a space from it now that we can make jokes
2: about it we can laugh about it now but at the time it was terrible <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah so i mean you've you've but being able to do something that most bands, in fact, I can't think of any band that's really done this. You, usually, every everybody has to be dead before th- something gets anthologized in this degree of detail. You get, you get to anthologise yourselves. You get to write your own history. Right, isn't it? Best of all worlds, yeah. 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 Mm. I mean, that, that, what, you know, Beatles' anthology was, what, 15, 20 years after they split? Oh, good mid 90s, I, yeah. I think. And do you feel that um, by building this kind of reservoir of, I don't know, this archive? It sort of gives you a bit of a platform to do new things in the future.
1: I do. I think it's a it's a really important part of just one's journey as an artist. Without wanting to sound too pompous, you know, I think I think you should spend some time looking back because mm. I think you need to sort of you know learn from your history a little bit and then therefore you can kind of go forward. You know, I think it's a very important part of it. You know, if, if I spent my whole life just, just going through sort of like tapes from 1994, I'd think there was something wrong. But, mm. you know, I kind of like, you know, I'm currently sort of make, releasing new records as a solo artist, so I feel as though there's a sort of, a, I have a sort of Janus-like kind of... Uh, yes. ..sort of sort of simultaneous look into the past and into the future,
2: which is nice. Tell us a bit about this uh, solo record then, Black Rainbow. Yes, that's and right. it's. I was. I was listening to it this morning. It's. It, it's good stuff, and it sort of is a bit suede, and it isn't. do well, you, fi- you find yourself thinking I have to diversify and make sure this is clearly distinguishable from suede? Not really. The fact
1: that it isn't suede is enough of a, 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 mm. of, a of a kind of distance from me. And the way that I I, I made Black Rainbows was very specific. We I, I got together with. Four musicians, three other musicians, and we and we literally just jammed for three days, and we kind of just did a load of improvised stuff. And then we took all the tapes away, cut all the songs up, re-edited them, and then I turned them into songs. I imposed song structures on them. So mm. it was a very very different way of working. You know, with all the suede albums, it's been, it's been very a lot of pre-production had been in the demos, writing the songs, crafting the songs, changing the odd chord here and there. Yeah. There's none of that. It was all very spontaneous. So I knew it was going to sound different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just sort of like, I kind of just let it happen. I, I think that when I've, you know, gone off the rails before in the past, it's, it's been because I've become too self conscious of what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think it's important just to be instinctive
2: sometimes. And that's how I made this record. But it's still the kind of thing that if you like Sweat, you will like it, because it's got your very distinctive voice. And it's, you know, it's not like it's a reggae record or a polka record, no. it's within the idiom of, of what it's, you do. It's yeah. a rock
1: record, you know, it's an alternative rock record. and it, I'm hugely proud of it. And it, for me, it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of writing. For, I'm writing about the complexities of relationships again. You know, I, oh. for a while I sort of w- wanted to almost use lyrics as, as, as just sort of like blank kind of pivots for the music to sit around yeah and now i kind of like i suppose i want the r- lyrics to sort of like lead the songs again so i mm. suppose in that sense it reflects suede you know yeah. i think the kind of like people that liked the early lyrics in, in 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 suede songs will kind of like re- will respond to this in, in a similar way
2: if suede do a massive tour will you support yourself with <laughs> your own back? or will that knacker you or would you want the headline <laughs> you could you could buy on your own question tour. it really depends doesn't it yeah yeah um no all right, fair enough. <laughs> it's doable, though. It could, it, it could be done. One of the things um, that we'll, there's a piece I'm writing for the next issue um, about Suede, which we've just been talking about this morning. And one of the things that came up was Brett was very keen to um, point out how good Richard Oakes is and yeah. how underrated he is, and how he's, um, you know, he's been in Suede far longer than, um, you know, than Bernard Butler, um, and he's, uh, you know, a, a, an underrated musical talent absolutely yeah i mean he's he's just hugely
1: hugely talented person he's one of these sort of scarily talented people that almost he's hasn't really got any limits to his talent you have to you have to sort of like sort of point him in the right direction sometimes you know yeah
2: and he joined the band at 17 Mm. where most people haven't left school Mm. and was immediately dumped straight onto a tour promoting an album he didn't play on yeah and the show began with a song that he'd written
1: yeah yeah. It's Which is quite... pretty deep end, isn't it? Yeah, we really shoved him into the deep end with all his clothes on, yeah. <laughs> Poor chap.
2: And you had locked him in a room and made him write a song. This we is did, right?
1: yeah. We were on tour in Germany and, and um, we, we needed a, a B-side for, for New Generations. We didn't have any uh, extra songs left over from the Dogman star session. And we locked him in his hotel room and told him he couldn't come out until he'd written a hit.
0: Oh, that's all, like all uh, we, we Andrew Lou Golden when uh, he made Mick and Keith.
2: Yeah, right. exactly. So, yeah, he
0: locked them he did. in the flat and said, right ahead. And I think it was Sullivan and I think. Yeah. Was it? It well, was whatever for- the, the first Jagger Richards single was. Yeah, he, made, yeah.
2: he forced them yeah. almost at gunpoint. It, it was a homage to, to Lou Goldman. Yeah. yeah. Mm, God. What do they all do when they're not in suede? What, the, the suede what does, does everybody else do? You've just made a solo album and you've got a... <laughs> Uh, an ongoing solo career.
0: They've been long like dungarees and be really badly dressed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. Yeah.
1: They, they yeah, they just sort of wear tracky bottoms <laughs> and, you know.
2: Well, um Matt's got uh Matt's got his projects on the internet, hasn't he? Yeah, Matt's
1: kind of um d- sort of editing a, a an internet magazine called Le Cool. Mm-hmm. Um Simon's living in Thailand, which sounds like a full-time job. Yes. And he's in a band called Goo. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard's in a band called Art Magic Art Magic, and they've got something coming out very shortly haven't That's they? right, and Neil's, Neil has been kind of just, you know, being a professional musician, doing soundtracks and, you know, doing session work and stuff like that so S- everyone's been busy So Simon
2: living in Thailand, that's got to make uh, rehearsals tricky It does, Does he yeah. ever say, let's do it at my place? Exactly, yeah, he hasn't invited us yet But oh, right. <laughs> You could do it over yeah. Skype
1: we do often. We have actually had Skype meetings. It's like um, you know in Futurama when they have the heads of the of, you know the cryogenically preserved heads. Like That's Richard a, Nixon's head. There's kind yeah. of TV and sorry, a computer in the corner with Simon's head on it. You know, and we're, we're all kind of sit. You put
0: a pink towel over him when you don't want to hear. Yeah, we what kind, of
1: like, we, we <laughs> kind of like arrange kind of things around the screen to make it look like it has got a comedy body. You know, well, <laughs> A very a hat little on tiny the top body. Of the screen that yeah. sort of thing. You know. But you can't see. Uh, but you know, from his point of view, he's often saying it's so hot here. I'm actually sitting in the nude, but I'm not, obviously not going to show you. He's got his kind of, so. This is the honest. kind
2: of th- <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this is that. the kind of thing that gets American senators uh, sacked from their positions. Is it? Sending yeah, pictures through the internet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure if uh, Swede fans can hack into the uh, the web feed, they'll get everything they could possibly exactly, yeah. to see. Simon on the on. We should broadcast it, shouldn't we? Yeah. That's what I call DVD actually. That's what I call a great meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. Volume four you're listening to the word podcast it's not supposed to be professional and when we last spoke you said there might be a new suede record and there might be new things happening yeah what's the latest state of play the latest stage of play is state of playing is, is that we're, we're, we're
1: just writing you know we're just kind mm. of carrying on with it. it's, it's been slow because we've been festivaling and stuff like that but you know it's it feels good i'm kind of confident that we'll release a new record yeah there you go. W- i won't release it unless it's amazing but yeah i'm confident it'll be great
2: and you're going to be playing Latitude yep the word sponsored Latitude Mm. yep which we have to say there right Um, word sponsored Latitude (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh,
1: can't wait what can we expect what can we expect we can expect a sway show you know it's Mm. for me it's live music it's it's never about the gimmicks it's just about getting up there and, and giving everything and you know I, I, it's our only uk festival and it's yeah. really important for us that, that it's that it's amazing so you know it's going to be a special night for us yeah what other festivals are you doing you're doing them around europe doing loads we just I, I was in denmark 2 days ago doing a festival called northside playing mm-hmm. with um, interpol and vaccines and people like that and who who were great and uh before that, we were doing one called SOS in Spain. So lots around Europe, and then we're going yeah. to then we're going to Asia. So we're doing a lot of touring this
2: this summer. Yeah. It's really changed, isn't the whole festival world? Because it used to be you'd have your own tour, and you might do one festival or two festivals in the summer. Yeah. And now you tour the festivals, yeah. And you might get you might do your own tour on the side in the, in the autumn. But the the kind of game has migrated so much. It
1: has. I mean, festivals have become huge, while you know revenue from music sales has 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 shrunk. So you know, bands need to make money, it's a business, so you have to kind of, like,
2: end up, you end up touring festivals, yeah. Does it feel different to do that than to do, you know, the festivals the way they used to be? I remember you doing, when you headlined Glastonbury, and I think it was 1993, Yeah. and this was considered be the absolute pinnacle of what a band, like, you know, like an alternative rock band yeah. could get no bigger than exactly. Two. And now there is—you you can get so much bigger. You can do that five times across yeah, Europe. Exactly. No, we. You know, the whole, the whole, the, the, you know, the, the the thing has shifted,
1: hasn't it? You know, mainstream bands. you know mainstream bands are now rock bands, but only in that kind of like in that arena, really. Mm. So yeah, it has kind of shifted quite a lot. And you're right. Yeah, it did. You know, that, that was the pinnacle at that time. All we were doing was headlining the second stage. We weren't headlining the main stage in those yeah. days.
2: But it felt like this was as big as a, you know, a, a kind of alternative NME yeah. Select-type band could never get any bigger than this. Yeah, it did, yeah. But then, you know, Britpop happened after that and the whole kind of,
1: you know, the mainstream shifted, didn't it? Yeah. And I think it sort of stayed fairly where it is.
0: You, but you, you kind of missed that, the big wave of Britpop as well because you were in between Dogman Star and Coming Up. Yeah. So when that insane Blair Oasis kind of Punch and Judy show was happening, mm. you were kind of kind of out of the game, not out of the game, but you were... Away from the yeah, charts, yeah, very
1: much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, think quite... that
0: probably the the serendipity of the timing was good in that you didn't become kind of caught up and become like Manswear or the Blue Tones or those bands? Yeah. That are just now seen as the kind of landfill indie
1: of of yeah. hip era. I never really want to become part of that. To be honest, I never felt that Suede was part of it. You know, yeah, know I mean, kind you of, we sort of, of initiated it, and mm-hmm. it kind of like you know we kick-started it. But I, I was always had a healthy disrespect for it. To be honest, you know, it's always a bit i don't know I've, i found it a bit obvious to be honest you know what i was writing about in those early days i was writing about a quite a, in quite a critical way about um britain and and british life and you know those kind of things and it kind of became uh, i think cartoonized and, and turned into something else you know that i wasn't particularly comfortable with so and you know as soon as we saw it happening around us we were making dogman Star, which is the least brit pop record you can possibly imagine in terms of intention, anyway, it was
0: quite. It was quite a dark kind of epic album as well to release after kind of being known for kind of big hit singles like "When yeah. I Create a Metal Mickey" and "So Young." To then do things like "Still Life" and "The Asphalt World" and yeah. "Black and Blue," uh, and things like that, it was kind yeah. was very dark, yeah, very out. But there weren't there weren't big hit singles. No. it there was
1: the wild ones and mm. and maybe. We are the pigs, but new generation. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there weren't the kind of things like animal nitrate on it. There wasn't metal Mickey. It wasn't that kind of like slightly cheeky, sort of like you know London kind of thing. It was. It was definitely we wanted to take it somewhere that was more sort of isolated and European and colder. It was very like
0: low in that respect. Then
1: yeah, it? I suppose so in, in in those terms, you know. But it was it was a record that you know we we just wanted to take it to the next level with that record. You know, we'd made the debut album, and then with Dogman Star, we were going to go as far out there as possible. And do you and think you went of... too far, i.e., that, that drove Bernard away or well, yeah, in those fell terms? Yeah, in, in those terms, yeah. I obviously massively regret that, but I don't think creatively. No, I think I think it's a beautiful record that somehow. Manages to hold together, even though it's very, very varied. It's somehow there's a thread that unites it. And if you compare songs like the Wild Ones to 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 Daddy's Speeding and to and to New Generation, and all they're, they're very, very different sorts of songs, but somehow it kind of there's a there's a thread that, that gives it a unity. Did you kind of go in with that idea that you wanted to do something so different?
0: Because in a way, it was an extension of a lot of the stuff that was on the B sides, like to the Birds or He's Dead yeah. or the Pigs yeah. Don't Fly, and it was taking. The lead from the stuff that wasn't the singles that perhaps people didn't know necessarily know swayed for. Yeah. And then really extending that with was- did you go in with that idea that that's what you wanted to do? You wanted to become more epic and not do the three-minute pop yeah, songs. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it was just you know about sort of like taking it as far in that direction as possible. Obviously, like you said, there's been there'd been threads before. You know, things like still life on the first album. You know, that was a, it was almost like a you know lyrically and musically, it was just the next stage It was like those sort of sorts of songs extremified. Yeah. But I think you're right that you know there'd always been hints that we could do that. It was just a matter of whether we wanted to do it as a collection of songs that we put on an album. You know, yeah. things like he's dead. I mean, that's Pretty out there. That you know, was the B side of the second single, mm-hmm. and you know it's just a matter of sort of like taking that and saying, no, this is going to be an album track rather than we're not going to bury this on the B side. You know?
0: What about in to, in today when you're putting singles out, the idea of the B side just isn't mm. there anymore. No, and there's not. When I was going back through all the reissues, I was realised that I was probably getting into about track twenty five uh, before it was a single. If I was my kind of unofficial Swedish top twenty five, right. It would be it would be stuff like to the birds and still life and breakdown and stuff like that and uh, by the sea and stuff mm. that was never a single. Yeah,
1: yeah, mine too. They're so, all they my favourite Do you think that's
0: that that sense of, of bands having the space on B sides to kind of do weird stuff or mm. kind of to, to play around a bit more mm.
1: is that is that gone? Do you think? Because yeah, I do. I think you know B sides definitely had a quite an important role. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. If, like you say, if bands have that space and that kind of like and that freedom to sort of like mess around with stuff, you know, and that, I think that was that was a very important part of it that we did that we did experiment. We we were able to do songs like you know where the pigs don't fly and he's dead and the big time. These kind of odd things, and we could we would never have put them on an A side at the time or on. on or on, or on the album, even, but it kind of gave us the freedom to try things out, yeah. Because you need to, you know, you, everything about being in a band is about learning, and, and, and it's very much, you know, when you first make an album, you're still, you're still not au fait with studio techniques and, and, and how the studio works. You're still, all your, the way in which you kind of consume music is in the rehearsal room. You know?
0: Looking look, look at, it, I guess at the two eras of
1: Swede, uh, the Bernard years and the Richard years,
0: yeah. there, there was a lot of kind of Swede trying to find its feet uh, initially until I guess ni- late ninety one, ninety two. Mm. So, what song was it that you think really clicked the first time round that you thought right we're onto something here? And then, writing with Richard, what song do you think kind of went? that defined coming
1: up or set you on that path? Well, I think the first song that me and Bernard wrote was actually The Drowners, that that kind of really, you know, we wrote that in kind of 1991 or something like that, and that was at the point where no-one was listening to us, you know, everyone had passed on us and the whole of the music business had sort of, like, seen us but wasn't interested, quite rightly so, and we were sort of, like, completely allowed just to do our own thing. Um, at that point because, you know, no one would, record companies weren't interested in us, so we were just writing away, writing songs like The Drowners and Pantomime Horse and all of these songs and uh, really taking it somewhere else as writers but being, not being kind of like suffocated by too many expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose with Richard, um, God, I think the first song that we wrote that I thought was really great was Filmstar. Right. I remember going mm-hmm. round to his little flat in, 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 in Westbourne Grove and kind of like had this little idea in my head. I just tapped it out on my knees. Film star. And he sort of like fitted this little guitar part around it. And that was the first song that I thought that w- we wrote together that, that really worked. Funny enough, you could actually... They're, they're, they're not completely dissimilar, are they? The journalism film. Well, I think in the, the review,
0: the reissues review, I think that... I mentioned that the demo version of Filmstar starts very much like the drowners Yeah. The first couple of chords. Yeah. The drum beat and the chords, it and it's
1: almost like it's the drowners Yeah, it is. And maybe we kind of like, when we eventually got in the studio, we kind of
2: realised that and tried to take it somewhere else slightly. We have some questions from the outside world by the media. Oh, before of Twitter. we do that, I,
0: oh, I, got, I forgot to do my night traditional thing. Of, what's a uh, weird <laughs> podcast, which is give everybody a gift? Oh, right, what's yes. this? <laughs> and you get to choose. I forgot about this. I've got them in my pocket. They're all right. I've got a choice of four sweets. Oh, that's really so nice. I've got a Cadbury's cream egg. I've got a Freddo frog. I've got a finger fudge. And I've got a Kinder egg. So can I have the Cadbury's cream egg? You can. I love yep. Cadbury's cream egg. You Thank Quite you. Very much.
2: because they, they go out now, don't yeah. know. there's. A, I'm going to take the Freddo frog Are we allowed right? to eat
0: them live on the podcasts? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sponsored by sponsored by Cadbury's and yeah. uh,
1: Kinder Freezer That's really nice. throw me
2: the Kinder I'll have that there you go guy. you can build the toy while Kinder egg, yeah. We're... do you think, yeah, do you bread
1: you bread. think that the kind of guests eating Cadbury's cream eggs is good radio <laughs> it's oh, certainly yeah. very I mean, sonically
2: interesting oh, I think uh, I yes. think that the good okay. people
0: at Cadbury's are very fine And uh, are you on a we,
2: private earner here from the Cadbury's I am yes oh god <laughs> questions from <laughs> the world of Twitter well, I t- take a bite of your cream egg now to give you some kind to think this is from Niven J1 Niven J1 who I suspect is actually pop right to john niven is it not i think it is niven j1 okay. anyway he asks brett did your bottom ever fully recover from all that microphone abuse as <laughs> so you spanked yourself with it you should not?
1: have seen the bruises on my legs in 1992 it was kind of i had bruises bigger
2: dinner prance mm. all over my legs <laughs> <laughs> yeah no not quite no okay cvh 2009 said did you ever think ricky gervais was set for global stardom mm. to be honest no mm-hmm. but he was always a very witty person Yes. It's kind of incredible what's happened for him. I'm kind of really proud and pleased for him. Did you ever run into him and, on yeah. the showbiz circus, as it were? Well,
1: he came to a suede show a few years ago, mm-hmm. and he was lovely, so... A few years w- ago, that must have been a good while ago. Yeah, it was a... I can't remember when, but, uh, yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah. Should, we,
0: should we fill in the, the background to that for, yes. uh, for the, the non-nerds? What was it? It was that, <laughs> uh, Yulu, was that right? He was working there for
1: bands, to... or the, on, in the int committee. He used to work... Um, there was three guys that used to, who used to manage us very, very early on and he was one of them, but he was a bit of a silent partner. He wasn't that involved in managing suede. So when people say, did Ricky Gervais used to manage you? The answer is sort of yes and no. Right. You know, he wasn't sort of actively our manager doing stuff for us, but he was involved in the management company. He used to work with Simon, our drummer. He used to work in the ticket office in you
2: my God, so if you went and bought a ticket in Yulu in 1980-whatever... You would have been served by Simon Gilbert and, and Ricky Gervais, yeah. Mm. So you should probably... Ha- if you if you still got that ticket, and you may well have it, because people hold on to their tickets, mm. don't they? Then yeah. you've probably got something that isn't really all that valuable. Well, at least it's a nice bit of memory. Mm. You've got some DNA for a kind of
0: new version of Swede filtered
2: through the office, maybe. Absolutely, a kind of cloned thing with Simon mm. working in the <laughs> office.
1: But Ricky used to be in this terrible band called Son of Bleeper. Son of Bleeper? Son of Bleeper, which is one yeah. of the worst names ever for a band. I mean, all the songs were all the songs that he later started taking the piss out of in, in the office. So G- love, Ricky's Rick Rick genius move in life was to stop taking himself seriously, because he used yeah. to take himself very seriously.
2: Yeah. <laughs> There's a message there for, all, for us all, I think. Another, another one from Twitter, Stuart Houghton uh, asks, during one of the many arguments with his former guitarist, did Brett ever use the phrase, I hate you, Butler? <laughs> no no oh <laughs> Kittus asks can you ask Brett are there any lyrics he's written uh, that he looks back on now and thinks was a bit ridiculous with hindsight
1: well people always the stick people always beat me with is this a song from Head Music called um, Savoir Faire where the lyric is she's, she lives in a house she's stupid as a mouse yes <laughs> and, sorry <laughs> of, course, of course it's a dumb lyric but that was the point yeah that was the point it was supposed to be a dumb lyric, you know, and it was like, it was kind of people think that, oh, is that all he could come up with? But it's kind of, oh, whatever, I can't be bothered to get involved in it. Yeah. Talking about <laughs> yeah, lyrics. Yeah, what? not like, I'm, I'm more kind of, I'm more, um, it bothers me more people's, people's misinterpretation, which is kind of true of lots of things in my yeah. career. Talking about lyrics, will we ever figure out what was, what was being kind of
0: wrapped, I guess, at the end of Stay Together? <laughs> Because I remember at the question. time reading about it, and there was something the enemy or melody maker at the time that you insisted that nobody could be in the studio and you were
1: going to do <laughs> this late at night and nobody could hear it, and then yeah. you were going to mix it into the track. It was completely spontaneous. It was just this sort of, you know, rant that I did at well, the end, you know. Didn't you have and to register it though with your publisher? I don't
0: know. No, I don't think that. so.
1: Because it was just, you know. It was inspired a bit by um, a Patti Smith's song called Birdland, yeah. where she just sort of like you know it's kind of just you know spoken word sort of thing. And I kind of wanted to have it, it had to have that kind of feel. So you just do it all in one take? Yeah, With was no a, idea what you were going to exactly. Say? Oh, it I was just it. all spontaneous. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: SD edition on, on the Twitter again says, uh, Brett, can you please record another album as the Tears with Bernard Butler? Last album criminally ignored. What are the chances of that happening? Um, there's your triple bill. You, yeah.
0: Then the tears, then sweat. So you've
1: you've got your own festival, self. exactly. Mm. Yeah, Brett's Brett's fest. <laughs> um, what the chance? I don't. I don't know. I mean, not. I mean, not. I don't think the chances are, 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 are great for oh. that to happen. To be honest, you know. I mean, I love. I've I've loved working with Bernard down the years, and yeah. and I I don't. I wouldn't ever count out working with him again, but possibly not in in that. Well, you're not as the tears now. What if things have gone the other way and you left Sweet and then you would you
0: have ended up writing songs for Duffy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. Producing
1: people oh, like the libertines, <laughs> it could have been very different, couldn't it? History, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was Duffy's latest single about kind of um sex on council estates, yes, right? <laughs> with the
2: pig, I can <laughs> that, yes, a nuclear pig, yes. Uh, Citizen Sane says, um, did you ever get around to having that homosexual experience? Oh god, not that one again. Le- let's <laughs> you know,
1: it's going to be written on my gravestone, that one, isn't it? You know, well, it's a hell of a good line, it is a good line, but I have to re- keep spending my whole life re explaining it. I was actually talking about the way I approached songwriting, yes, and it was completely very much out of context. But uh, it's hea- my fault for not realising how the media worked, and that's just, you know... I heard it. a story about this, and I don't know if this is true or not, so you can put this rumour to
0: bed or, or not. Yes. Yeah. Was the journalist... Uh, was the was it an enemy piece that came from, or a media Maker piece? Whoever it was, did the journalist say to you, would you describe yourself as a bisexual man who's never had a homosexual experience, and you went, yeah, probably.
1: And then they flipped it to... to it was I'll tell you what you it was. Up- I originally made the quote in a now defunct publication called um, "Was it called Lizard? Oh, Lime, Lime Lizard?" Oh, bloody hell! Lime Lizard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! I was taking you back, right? That's Time Tunnel, Time Machine. Yeah, Lime Lizard. And then I was doing a thing with Melody Maker, and we were talking about sort of sexuality and music. It was kind of this roundtable thing with Simon Price, who was kind of hosting it, kind mm-hmm. of for you know, chairing it. And he brought up the quote in there, so it kind of, like, right. ach- achieved a, a, a new, you know, a kind of reference to a, something else I'd said sort of thing. So, mm. But the original piece was in line, Liz. It did allow Simon, though, to
0: come up with the killer quote, which was, I would describe myself as a bisexual man who's never had a heterosexual experience,
1: was <laughs> which
2: was just an astonishing twist. <laughs> that was brilliant, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, well, I mean, this is, th- this is one of the great things about Swade at that time, because rock music was so blokey and so dully masculine, and Swade gave those of us who are big girls' blouses a band of our own. You know, you can't fight in the pub, it's a band. Yeah. You, you yeah. Know. Yeah. But
0: it was also, it was kind Swade and the Manics again, going back to the two gigs I went to in Cambridge. Mm. And then you toured with the Mannix, didn't you? Yep. I yep. thought it was kind of
1: just before Ritchie disappeared. They came on, yeah, they supported us in, in Europe in in 1990, end of 94, October 94. So that must have been quite an intense time because it's yeah, all it was kind just, of fallen apart. It was literally it? just before he disappeared. It was it was a, c- a couple of months before he disappeared. I mean, that was like one of the last tours he did. Yeah. It was an absolutely fantastic tour, but you know, he was very, very withdrawn um, at the time. I didn't, you know, I don't have. Uh, we didn't kind of. Ha- you know, he was always doing something else at the time. You know, I don't know where he was. You know, we hung out with the other guys quite a lot, but I think he'd, he was, uh, yeah. He was somewhere else mentally.
0: It was yeah. quite, it was weird that bands Like Sweet and the Mannix were, were having top ten hits at, mm. at that time as well. There was uh, a yeah. very weird image and
1: lyrical subjects and stuff being yeah. brought into the top 40. And the the, the Mannix are the only band from that. People always say, you know, so do you ever see any of your Britpop mates and things like this? You know, and good, and no, good no, no, kind of no, of no, no, <laughs> no and, and so. no again. Do you know what I mean? It's the answer yeah. to that because there weren't any in the first place. But the Mannix are actually the only band that i've ever kind of felt any kind of kinship with in the sense that we were i think we were both bands both of the bands were, were kind of like had had a sense of us being kind of outsiders you know we didn't feel part of the kind of party you know
0: very literary bands as well certainly in terms yeah. of the references because there was something it was like the smiths as well there was a life beyond the music and the lyrics because there would be references to books and and kind of british yeah. social realist films and things like that Um in a way it was it was a kind of mini education it was like yeah. a kind of open university course about do you want to know about this kind of era of britain yeah. and these authors and i particularly learned
1: a lot of stuff and and started reading books and finding out about films through both of those bands yeah. as well well that's we- nice you know that's always what i wanted to do i wanted to kind of create a bit of a, a bit of a world for people to dive into i didn't just want it to be you know buying a cd like you kind of like buy a t-shirt or something like that i wanted people to be to really belong to something. I suppose I wanted a sense of sort of tribe with the band, you know, a bit of a tribal sense.
2: I got the impression, seeing the uh, Albert Hall show and um, the O2 and the... the, the, the 3 nights with the albums that some of these shows would be shows that really stuck out as possibly the most exciting show a certain person had seen you know it could be a real landmark thing in their life what were those shows for you what were the shows that really when you were a kid when you were going to see bands and Mm. you didn't have an awful lot of money you didn't have an awful lot of Mm. access to this what were the ones that set it off in your head well funny not the things you'd
1: think i remember going to see the cult down in brighton in in about 1982 or something like that and just been absolutely blown away by Ian Asprey I just thought he was an amazing performer. So people like that, you know, not the you know, it's not the first gig I went to was something like New Order, and it was great, but it didn't kind of like change my mm. life sort of thing. It was it was always about the occasional, you know, and even even kind of recently. It's, it, it's 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 ne- it's often never the bands whose music I really really like it's just something about the performer you know it's just something about the energy of the performer on the night people like the girl from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs I think she's an yeah. amazing performer as well so, so will so. you actually go and see people because you like their performance rather than you like, than liking the music no i'd kind of like uh, just stumble upon them you know yeah, but sometimes it you know works together. You know, saw the Foles at, at Brixton last year. I thought that was absolutely amazing. For a complete, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. about the performance. It was just something about the way they were. They were a real band. They were just really playing together, really beautifully. So, yeah. can you? Can you?
0: It's based on Franz minor session musicians, and they, they say it's really hard to go to gigs because it feels like we're to watch other people's gigs. They can't disengage because they're watching what's happening, so they're watching the sound desk or the right. lighting engineer, and and they're deconstructing everything a bit too much. So it's kind of ruined in the same way that lots of film critics feel that yeah. they can't watch films properly because they're they're trying right. to analyse
1: it. Do you find the same thing when you're watching no, bands? No, never. Okay. I, I I kind of just let the music sort of flood into me. Really, I don't I don't ever have that kind of like that sort of no. I don't I don't kind of have that kind of critical eye about it. No. Mm. No.
2: So you're going to be on at Latitude
1: yes if a word sponsored last word week word sponsored yeah the, word's on, and
2: Cadbury's. the Cadbury's word and the word bag. presented by yes and if a 14 year old kid wanders over the hill that's uh, found their way into the festival yes maybe with their mum and dad or maybe not and they encounter suede what would you hope they'd be thinking I'd hope they'd be thinking god I've never
1: seen anything like this before and I'd really like to find out more about it of course you know, I think when suede when when suede work well, it's it's a unique experience. It doesn't always work. It kind of it relies on a few factors. It relies on things like whether whether the flow of you know whether there's contact with the audience, things like that, quite sort of physical things. Yes. But if it if it if it goes off and if it works really well, then I think it it can be quite a quite a, an astonishing sort of uh, experience for people. Yeah i well, we'll look forward to it.
2: Yeah. Thank you for coming in for the podcast, Brett. Thank you
1: very much. It's been and a pleasure. We will, we'll wave from the word-sponsored field. <laughs> I need to go and wash my hands now because I'm covered in Cadbury's cream egg. Cream egg. And that's a quote that will haunt you like uh, <laughs> oh, the... Another, no. another
2: one, so. Another one. I'm covered in Crabby's, Cadbury's <laughs> cream egg.
1: If you've been affected by any of the issues in this podcast, go to wordmagazine.co.uk or apply at your news agent. Every month.